and Beyond Oregon True Crime Stories, where we talk about strange, bizarre, and crazy true crime from Oregon and the Pacific Northwest. I'm your host, Stacy, And I'm your co-host, Valerie. So this week, we are actually going to be talking about our first Pacific Northwest serial killer. Not our first one, but the first one we talk about on this show. Yay! I don't know if that's something to be excited about. <laughs> She's excited for the story, not excited for the murder. Exactly. So let's put it that way. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> Nobody's excited about murder. Trust us, please. It's fun to hear about it, and that's why we exist. <laughs> yes. The forests of Oregon can be a very beautiful place. I mean, Valerie spends 90% of her time in the forest. Calling me out. <laughs> <laughs> She's a hiker by nature. She she would live in the forest in her tent if she could, honestly. Oh, I would. It's <laughs> my goal in life. <laughs> <laughs> to live in a van down by the river. <laughs> Actually, it's a tent. She's not going to upgrade. But beyond the beauty of the forests, which they are absolutely stunning over here, and the tranquility, they hold secrets to some of Oregon's more brutal crimes. Just today, it was, like, really sketchy hiking through in the dark. I went on a night hike at the beginning. <laughs> I wasn't going to tell you that because I went with your daughter. <laughs> yeah, now you're telling me this and I'm questioning sending my kid with you. It was kind of sketchy. We were running down this, like, forest road and it was all dark because it was before the sun came up and we got, like, half a mile down the road and we decided to turn back because it was just too sketchy and it was about to be even more wooded. Like, I knew the area, so I knew it was going to be even more sketchy going up there. And I was like, you know what? Weird things happen in the forest. We're going to go back and wait till the sun goes up a little bit. <laughs> you know, normally when Valerie takes my daughter on a hike, I make her take my big dog, too, because my big dog will protect them. She's half Border Collie, half Australian Shepherd, and she's very protective. Mm-hmm. But this time, they went so early that I had my daughter spend the night with Valerie because I was not getting woken up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Thank you very much. <laughs> and so they didn't take the dog with them, and I was really worried about that actually all day. I was like, oh my gosh, I wish they would have stopped and grabbed the dog now. <laughs> but they made it, and they made it alive, thankfully. I had my bear spray with me. <laughs> bear spray, creep spray, same thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, on the evening of Friday, May 7th, 1999, you're more recent for Valerie. She likes the more recent stories. (laughs) I like the older stories. I think they're kind of cool. A Portland couple went out for a walk with their dog. Speaking of dogs and hiking, see, Uh everybody does that. Takes the dog for protection. (laughs) And they were in in Forest Park. Which is actually the name of one of the parks up near really? Portland. It's called Forest Park. They weren't very imaginative. <laughs> um, it's near Highway 30, and this was near Schultzman's Road, when they stumbled across the body of a woman who was covered in branches and leaves about 10 feet from the trail. Oh, was she buried at all? She was just kind of covered. It sounds like she was just kind of tried to be hidden a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if the dog found it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, police were called to the scene to investigate. Um, they uncovered, they took, I took the body that day, but they weren't able to, to fully search because it was evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next day they, their search uncovered another body near oh. the original site about a quarter mile away. And they immediately determined them both to be homicides. Um, but at this point the police weren't sure that they were connected. Uh-huh. Well, do they know who these people were? 
Um, not right away. Okay. Um, it was a few days later, and on May 11th, the first woman was identified as Lila Faye Moeller. She was 28. That's a pretty name. Mm-hmm. I've always liked the name Lila. Mm-hmm. My daughter, actually, uh, my youngest, she's six. She comes home every day, and her name is something different. And she came home the other day and said, my name is Lila now. <laughs> it's like, all right. It used to be, she, she really, really wanted to change her name, like, to Alyssa.com. That's what she wanted her what? name to be. I have no idea. Dot com. She's like, I'm Alyssa.com now. I'm like, okay, <laughs> crazy weirdo. Yeah, so, yeah, she likes the name Lila. There's a girl at school named that, so. <laughs> uh, this Lila grew up on a farm in Eugene, Oregon. She had nine brothers and sisters. Um, unfortunately, her family had a history with alcoholism, and Lila herself started drinking at the age of 13. And I'm guessing that's not just, like, sips here and there. I'm thinking heavily drinking. Yeah. Um, she actually overdosed on vodka Ooh. and was taken to the hospital what? right around that age. Around that age? Yeah. Wow. Um, she started also cutting in her adolescent years. Uh-huh. Um, she was diagnosed as manic depressive. She um, had prescription medication for that, but, like, a lot of people who have that, she refused to take it. Yeah. Uh. Lila became pregnant at 18 and gave birth to a son named Josh. Shortly after the age of 20, she entered rehab for the first time. Um, After that, she was kind of in and out of rehab for years. Uh Um, In about 1996, three years before her death, Lila, um, her sister, adopted Josh. Um, So so Lila could enter rehab again, actually. Yeah. Um, She's had a really rough go of it. She had a really rough go of it. Um, She she was heavy into the drugs. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe it was heroin and cocaine was what I read. I could be totally wrong, but it was some of the heavier stuff. This happened in Eugene? uh, No, she lived in Eugene when she was younger. Oh, okay. This happened in Forest Park near Portland. Okay. So she kind of moved to Portland. She got older and got into this stuff more. Yeah. I can't remember if she was one of the ones that was a prostitute. Some of them, um, a few of the victims were prostitutes. A few of them were not. Were not. Mm-hmm. Her body had been there for one to two months and she was likely killed in late March or early February. So, ten so feet- her body was like a ways off the trail. Ten feet from the trail. Oh, so it was covered enough that nobody saw it. So I'm guessing maybe an animal uncovered part of her or the dogs and something. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be there for one to two months. I mean, Oregon is a very hike happy place. Mm-hmm. Everybody hikes. There's rarely a time you go on a trail that you don't see somebody. Yeah. So it's hard to think that nobody frequented that trail. But maybe back in the 90s they weren't so hike happy as they are now. Mm-hmm. A lot of forests are a lot denser. Mm-hmm. You, could, you could easily... Yeah, if it was really something. dense. I've never hiked Forest Park, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second body was identified as Stephanie Lynn Russell. She was 26. Mm-hmm. Um, there's less known about Stephanie. She uh, likely started using drugs while in a bad marriage in her early 20s, which she wasn't really in her late 20s, so it only been a couple of years. She worked odd jobs as an apartment cleaner, factory worker, and exotic dancer. 
She was last seen by her family in May. She had just finished her third stay in a detox center and seemed really excited about her future and what it might hold. And she was really proud of herself for finishing the detox, mm-hmm. which is super sad to, to do that and then have this happen. Yeah. Her body had actually only been there for about a week. Was she the first, she was the second one or the first so, one found? So, out of these two, she was the second. Okay. So she was, and she was the second one found as well. She was about a quarter mile from the first one. So these two have a lot in common. Yeah, their lifestyles are very much in common. The same age. Mm-hmm. They both kind of look kind of like. Yeah, they look very similar facial features. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes they say killers have a type, sometimes they don't. You never know. This... I feel like he had a type. Uh, Both women had been strangled, and police did not think it likely that either of them was actually out to a hike or a jog prior to their death. So they were actually taken to that location for the purpose of either dumping their bodies or murdering them there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wednesday, around 6.30, a hiker in the area, about a quarter mile from the other two women, was found the remains of a third woman. This was a hiker? It wasn't like a policeman doing another search? No, it was actually further away from the other bodies. It was, um, the police hadn't searched this area yet, is what I'm understanding. Okay. Uh, due to the location and the steep terrain and the lack of daylight, police actually sealed off the area until morning and didn't find out who she was until the next day. She was identified as Alexandra Nicole Ison. And she was only 17 years old. That's much younger than the other ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she had a really rough life, too, for being so young. She was born in Portland, Oregon, and entered foster care by the age of two. Her dad was in prison, and her mom was in rehab. It sounds like, though, her mom got her back later on. Okay. Uh, at the age of 12, she started skipping school. At 13, she started taking marijuana and LSD, and later would get heavy into cocaine and heroin. 13, that's... Yeah. That's my daughter's age. I can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it just kills me. Marijuana's not as bad as LSD, but still, that's... Anything that young, though, it's just like, you shouldn't be even experimenting with that stuff that young. I mean, you shouldn't be worried about Pokemon cards at that young, or, you know, who's the cutest Backstreet Boy? I know Backstreet Boys are way too... (laughs) At 13, that's what I was worried about, okay? (laughs) I don't know what the equivalent of Backstreet Boys is right now, but for her, it would have been the Backstreet Boys. She should have been worried about that. Um, she had dreams of becoming an actress or a singer or an artist. So she had aspirations to become something more than what she was. Mm-hmm. She, she was described as others as a free spirit, super hyper and impulsive. She, and then for money, she had actually turned to panhandling and prostitution. At 17? Yeah. It's like double illegal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for her and for them. Yeah. And <laughs> Uh, I can't believe, and I know there's people in this situation today, it's just, it breaks my heart that the people have to turn to this, Mm -hmm. or feel they have to turn to this. Um, Alexandra was reported missing in May, so at least, I mean, at least she was missed. Someone Uh missed her, and that makes me feel a little bit, I mean, my heart breaks for the people that are missing her, but 
there are people out there that are missing that no one's missing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, there were no outward signs of trauma to her body. And, but she had actually known the two prior victims and was found in an area that had not previously been searched. She knew the victims? She knew the other two girls. How do they know she knew them? Um, through other people. Where... Like, friends of the other girls mm-hmm. kind of connected all of them together. Was it through prostitution that they knew each other? It, it was either prostitution or the drugs. I think um, she was connected to one of them through the prostitution and one of them through the drugs. Okay. According to one news source, residents in the area said it was troubled, the area was. One woman had lived in the area for 33 years, and she had no less than five women come to her door seeking help from men trying to rape them. So don't go hiking here, please. <laughs> um, my, my thought is, did she help them? I mean, uh-huh. it doesn't say that she actually helped them. I hope she helped them. But... Yeah, for, for five people to come to my door, I mean, I'd sit there... Yeah, in the middle of the... Like, near the middle of the woods. Yeah, I, I'd be, like, uh, going to the police station saying, you guys need to patrol this area more. I mean, I've got women coming to my door. Yeah. And there are people that aren't coming to my door. Yeah, especially Something. if you're raising kids around that area. I would not want to raise kids around that area. No, and she lived there for Same. 33 years. I would think after the first two women come to my door saying someone's trying to rape me, I'd be like, okay, peace out. We're moving. <laughs> <laughs> not the place for me mm-hmm. so in order to find the suspect police started using a sting with undercover officers and around the clock surveillance targeting men soliciting prostitutes uh, women officers was resembling the victims because they did all look very similar were placed in the area the victims frequently visited or worked and one man stood out to them for his previous encounters with the police and the way he seemed to stalk the female officers. Never good when you're stalking. On Sunday, July 18th at 11.30 p.m., police entered Ranella Produce Warehouse and arrested a seemingly quiet produce worker named Todd Allen Reed. His manager was shocked by this saying that Todd was a good worker, mostly kept to himself, and he looked like a harmless, kind of nerdy guy with glasses and stringy brown hair. Mm -hmm. Why did the police arrest him? Was he the guy who was kind of lurking around? Yeah. We'll kind of get to why why he wasn't so harmless. It's always the ones that people are like, oh my gosh, I never would have expected that. He's so sweet and so kind, and Mm -hmm. he wasn't sweet and kind. Reed was anything but harmless. In 1992, this is about seven years prior to the deaths of Lila, Stephanie, and Alexandra, he was charged with multiple charges of rape in the first degree, sexual abuse in the first and second degree, menacing, failure to perform duties of a driver, property damage, sodomy in the first degree, and kidnapping in the first degree. And there were multiple. There were yeah, like those are like different events right there. It was all in one charge on the on the um, court document, and it was like multiple rape in the first degree, rape in the first degree, rape in the first degree. I'm like, holy cow! Mm. And this guy's walking around. Okay, yeah, why? So in 1993, he was convicted of burglary and attempted rape. Mm-hmm. So he, half of those time? he wasn't even convicted of, just burglary and attempted rape. And he was sentenced to 12 years in prison. 
He would be out on good behavior and only serve two years. Why? I, when are people going to learn that <laughs> good behavior for these guys is not good behavior? It's let me out early because I need to go do something bad again. Can we go back to the failure to perform duties of a driver? What is that? Is that like a DUI? I, I don't know what that was. Mm-hmm. It, it was really weird. And the property damage made me think that maybe he ran from the cops and hit somebody's property and failed to stop. Mm-hmm. I Yeah, it was a really weird one. It was on there a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> like, he got it a couple years prior, too, and I'm like, I don't know what this means. Something consistently bad. Yeah. So, Todd Allen Reed was born May 22nd, 1967, to Alfred Thomas and Ronnie Thomas, who were actually married nine days prior to his birth on May 13th, 1967. So, I'm guessing it was a shotgun wedding. <laughs> And you get married nine days before the baby is born. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to think that. So, but four years later, shockingly, his parents would divorce. His mother would soon marry another man named Robert Reed, who would adopt him and his younger brother. Although this marriage would not last either, ending eight years later. Todd was arrested for the first time at age 14 for theft. In 1986, at the age of 19... He met Gail Bennett, age 15. Uh, The two actually later married in 1988 when he was 21 and she was 17. So he needed her parents' permission for that, didn't he? Because she was under 18? I don't know, because she was 17. and I don't know if at that time 17 was okay. Okay. It was a little bit later, longer ago. Yeah. Not like that long ago, but... um, They would actually divorce in 1997, two years before... The murders happened. Um, at the time of his arrest, he was living with his girlfriend in North Portland. Neighbors said he kept to himself, liked to barbecue, and ride his bicycle. Again, it's always quiet ones. Yeah. So DNA... Girl- e- Sorry, did his girlfriend know anything about this? It doesn't sound like his girlfriend knew anything was going on. I'm surprised he had a girlfriend and... I know. other people. Yeah, it sounds like he can kind of, he could compartmentalize and separate mm-hmm. that this life, life from, here and that mm-hmm. life there. And it seems that with a lot of, like, the serial killers, like, um... Like Ted Bundy had a wife and everything. And, uh-huh, and then uh, the Green River Killer, he stopped killing for a while and actually lived his life with his family. Same thing with the Golden State Killer. He went on to, you know, he had the family life. He had grandkids. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's insane. Of how these guys can just switch it on and off. Um, DNA evidence from a condom near Lila would soon confirm that Reed was the killer, matching his DNA swabs from 1999. So it just took a while for the DNA to catch up. In February 2001, Todd Allen Reed pled guilty on all charges and was sentenced to life in prison. So, since he took the plea deal, it took the death penalty off the table. Although, even though in Oregon we have the death penalty, we haven't used it in a long time because they have it on hold, I think. Yeah. Governor won't do it right now. Yeah. So, Reed was also suspected to be connected to a few other crimes in the area, though he was never convicted or charged. Um, There was a young girl named Mindy Thomas, who was 12, and another girl, Jennifer Titcher, age 15, 
Both girls went missing and the remains were found in 1987. The reason why they think Reed is connected is one, uh, one of the last person to be seen with them was Reed's then girlfriend, Gail Bennett. So they knew Gail, which in turn probably means they knew Reed. Both girls were found in a wooded area, and they were strangled within yards of each other. So they were strangled in the wooded area, or at a separate location. In the wooded area, within they were found within yards of each other. They're so young too. Mm-hmm. That's sad. Uh, they went missing about a month apart. There was. A suspect description in the death of Jennifer Titcher. He was described as late teens, early 20s, which is what Reed would have been, mm-hmm. with dark hair cut short on the sides, kind of curling at the nape of the neck, thick hair and a sparse beard along his chin, and he wore military-type glasses with wire rims. That's what he looks like with his glasses and his... That's, that's a recent picture, but... It's kind of creepy. <laughs> I don't know. He's very he creepy. Bad vibes. <laughs> yeah, I, he, he's very, very... I couldn't find a young picture of him. I wanted to find a young picture to see, because sometimes as you get older, your hair lightens. Mm-hmm. To see if maybe, because his hair is a little bit light brown. Looks very reserved. Yeah, like, he, he just didn't care. He's hiding something. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly think he probably did do something to those two girls, just because... It's too coincidental. Yeah. Way too coincidental. And the fact is, he was, um, so he was actually 32 when, um, when the three women were killed. Lila was 28, Stephanie was 26, and Alexandra was 17. His ex-wife was four years younger than him. And then he was in his 20s while the two girls that were killed... Jennifer and Mindy were 12 and 15, which was also younger than him. Like, he kind of seems to like. Mm-hmm. That's another reason why I kind of agree that he probably had something to do with it. Yeah. I would hope that Gail didn't have anything to do with it, but the fact that she was the last person seen with them, maybe she was seen with them, she went off and left Todd with them. Yeah, hopefully. She didn't have but you would think it. she would come forward and be like, yeah, I left him alone with them. That's kind of mm-hmm. weird. That. She admitted to knowing him, though. At least. Yeah, he was also suspected in the disappearance of Amantha Scenes on June 30th, 1999, just about a month prior to him being arrested. But there was never enough evidence to charge him in that case or any of the other cases. So you want to hear the scary thing? Did they find her body? They never found her body. Yeah. It's a scary thing. So... The scary thing is, is I could not find any information on what prison he is in, so likely that means he's not in a prison. Where's it? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Normally I can find, you know, what prison they're in or, you know, whether they passed away in prison, and I can't find anything on where he is. It's very, very either hush-hush or it's just, yeah, it's throwing me for a loop that he's... And never said what prison he was put in? Or... No, I couldn't find anything. I looked in the court documents. I looked online. I looked through prison records. I couldn't find any record of him anywhere unless they changed his name to keep him. It's Anna Mint. Anna, Anna Mint. 
anonymous <laughs> to keep him anonymous which i'm not gonna say that word but yeah it was just really strange and every article i tried to find afterwards or like um any blogs on it or anything like that none of them could figure out where he was either mm-hmm. so it's just kind of creepy that he just disappeared in the prison system yeah or i mean he was sentenced to life in prison doesn't that mean he can't get out yeah but it didn't say life without parole, so sometimes they parole them for like 30 years, which I don't think they should do. I mean, obviously he should have stayed in jail after the rape charges, but you know. Yeah. You can't do a life term on rape charges for some reason. I just, I don't know. I know people can change, but there are some people that just can't change. Mom. And unfortunately, we can't identify them mm-hmm. before it's too late. Too and it's things happen. like this happen. And people who shouldn't die, die. And yeah, so that is the story of the Forest Park murderer, Todd, Al- Todd Allen Reed. Careful and... in the woods and watch out for bodies. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's... The moral of our story, yes. <laughs> Don't go to the woods with strange men, and mm-hmm. or even men you know, unless you know them really well and know they're going to protect you. Bring and a dog with you. Bring a dog, yes. There we go. That's the moral. Bring a dog. They will always protect you. <laughs> Dogs are good people. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, that's our story this week. So I expect you and my daughter to be very, very safe in the woods from here on out. We'll do our best. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That was one of the reasons I had trouble with her going with you today on the hike. Because I was like, we I knew this story. Yeah, I was like, I've researched the story. <laughs> oh, please don't let my baby. Nothing happened to my baby. <laughs> Luckily, we have tracker apps on our phone because we're that kind of family. Like, my our mother still has family. one on me. Like, my mom, we track me, my mom, my dad. Grandma and uh, Grandpa. Our grandma and Grandpa, aunt and uncle, my sister that lives on the East Coast. We track her. <laughs> it, it's just so, because, you know, my mom was that person that there was an accident anywhere near we might be. She'd call us up and be like, you dead? Like, no, Mom, we're not dead. <laughs> so now she just looks at the tracker app, and if we're not near it, she's fine. Moms are down. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I was able to track them while they were out there, and they sent me pictures, so I knew they were alive, and yeah, made me feel much better. But yes, I am pro tracker, tracker app. I know some people are like, parents are overbearing with that. I'm like, no, it's not overbearing. I don't do it to be overbearing. I do it to keep my kids safe. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that is our story this week. Next week is also um, a story that takes place in the woods. Ooh. Gotta watch out for that. I know. I'm telling you. It's it, it's giving me heebie-jeebies. You guys going off camping and all this stuff. <sighs> Alright, that was our first Sue Killer. We'll see you guys next week. 